doing those little things makes it so different. And the clients notice that kind of thing. The clients that I'm working with are so hands-off, they're pretty much just like, let me know when to go to the closing table. They don't even ask me when the earnest money's in. They don't ask me how the inspection's going. If I need them to sign something, they're like, hey, do your best, set it over, we'll sign it. And it's so nice to have that kind of rapport built because they know that I'm going to represent them the best I can. Welcome to the Real Better Life podcast, where people that are writing stories worth telling share their knowledge, wisdom, and perspective to help you go further, faster as you move to your better life. Over to your hosts, Dave Ness and Rob Alkema. What's up, buddy? Nothing. Just join a, what is it, a Thursday? Yeah, the whole week is off because of Monday being President's Day. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> I would not have had a clue. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. That's so you. Well, I'm excited to have you on today. And it's we had this topic that we had been trading some emails on. But before we dove into that, dude, you're having a phenomenal month. So today is February 21. Is that right? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a time warp. 22. 22. Okay, there we go. You have three under contracts so far in February. You have five under contracts in the last 30 days. And then you also have two listing agreements signed, and those listings go live when? We have one going live 317 and one going live 41. Okay. 41, yeah. the only reason we're waiting so long is it's up in Boulder. You can't even access it right now. Got it. So just before we dive into this other topic, I'm like, dude, you're you're hot right now. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about how you look. I'm trying. You know, I know you got those short shorts on today. I had to show off the quads. <laughs> but you you were in fuego right now. And so just tell us a couple tidbits about like how are you having such a big month? Normally when you see somebody having a big month, it's a whole bunch of stuff that happened 90 days before then, right? We've talked about that before. So what were some of the things that led up to this and how are you having as much success as you are right now? What are some of the keys? So I think a big thing for me is right now I have a dual-sided deal, buy-sell, Sphere. Met right. them 18 months ago. It was my first week doing showings and it was a 220K lead up in, I think, Golden or somewhere way back in the mountains. And I'm on this random piece of land. Like there ain't a piece of property on there. Like there's nothing. And I finished up with my clients, and some random guy walks up behind me. He's like, hey, are you the agent? I was like, no, but I can, uh, <laughs> I can, I can show you around. Like, I don't think I have to request a showing for this. Yeah. So we get talking. Next thing I know, I'm back at his house with his wife and his in-laws, and we're talking over the table, just this, that, and the other about houses, and didn't hear anything. Well, about two months ago, they reached out to me and they're like, hey, listen, like our parents were worried about their ability to move around the home. So we need to find them a 55 plus community or a ranch style. So right away I started digging, hey, how's this? How's this? How's this? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, like we'll, we'll take a look at it. And right away, as for the in person, hey, let me sit down at the table. Let's have a conversation. Next thing you know, listing agreement signed, buy side done, contingent offer accepted, first day on market, first hour, first showing. Showings went live 10 a.m. that Friday. We had an offer in it. I think it was one o'clock. <laughs> and I was in Tahoe. I was on a mountain skiing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sat my ass down in the snow. Yes, and, you told me this. I didn't know this was the same client. That's, yeah. That's phenomenal. And full price offer right away. For me, it's a no-brainer. Accept it. Yep. I had to reason with my clients, hey, this is a good offer. And they're like, yep. shouldn't we list it higher? I was like, no, because it's not going to appraise. Can you talk about that for a second? Because I remember the very first time we sold a home, Dave was actually our agent. I don't know if you knew that. And I remember him telling me this, and I was like, really? And I'm like, I guess I'll trust him. I know he's pretty good at real estate, but he said, your first offer is usually your best offer. Yeah, especially with a contingent situation. Mm -hmm. You don't have the same flexibility as somebody else. You have a house under contract that is relying on you to sell this house, to buy that house. Yeah. If they were going to try to bulk at a full-priced offer, 
I think I might have been coaching wrong. They slowed up a little bit. They're like, hey, should we gone a little bit higher? No, because the appraised value is going to be five ninety nine. That's exactly what it came in at. And what was it listed for? Five ninety nine. Got it. Every yeah. comp in the area said those exact numbers. We were actually the highest priced listing in the area mm. by twenty one dollars a square foot. And we somehow snuck away from it. I was terrified. The whole week of the appraisal, I knew it was coming off Friday, and I was sweating bullets. Right, because that's such an important part is making sure you get your pricing dialed in. And they were hard set on five ninety nine. They didn't even give anything in the inspection. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they're installing carbon monoxide detectors. Okay. That's how stringent they were on that five ninety nine. So yep. making sure that that value was met for them and make sure that they got what they wanted was super crucial for that transaction. Right. Well, and you're talking about this one transaction, but I'm guessing there's a reason you're telling me this story because I wrote a couple things down. This was something that began 18 months ago, yep. which is roughly when you started in real estate. And it was a Zillow lead. I want to make sure I heard you right. Was it the Zillow lead that came in that you transacted with that now you're working with again? Or is it you were working with a Zillow lead and then the stranger approached you and that's who you're working with? That's exactly okay. how I, I wanted to double check that because I'm like, it's almost too good to be true. Like I'm just sitting here shaking my head going, dude, that's the power of leads. So I wrote down, be helpful, right? Like just this random situation fell into your lap, but you were helpful. You didn't have a buyer agency signed. You didn't know if this person was going to turn into a client or not. You weren't planning for this. I didn't know if they were going to be a serial killer. We're right. 40 minutes up the mountain with no phone service. <laughs> I had to follow their car to Good their point. house. And they're just like, just follow us. You'll find it. And we're going up dirt roads. Yeah. Like this isn't some typical, you know, oh yeah, we live over here in Southeast Aurora. You know, follow us off Gun Club and go here on Powers Parkway. No, this is like, follow this dirt road, look for this tree, turn right here, follow our car. (laughs) Right. So you never know. (laughs) But this seems to be a consistent theme with you, and I think you're going to probably come back to this when we get into the other topic. But we've talked about this before, being unreasonable, right? And you're somebody who's unreasonable, and you've been unreasonable from day one. I remember... Early on in your career, you texted me a picture of uh, you were doing a showing, and it was literally a picture of you and a client like climbing a mountainside. And I'm not exaggerating. Like you were climbing a mountainside together, and you're like, Yeah, I was just showing him the property that he's buying. And I'm like, Who the hell does that? And it was like in the middle of a snowstorm. Uh, it was. <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about? Middle of February, client was from Louisiana. We hiked up the side of a mountain to put him under contract on this property. <laughs> he didn't sign the offer that night. I get a call the next morning at 7 a.m. from a random number. Hey, your buddy, I'm trying to think back to his name. Let's we'll call him Steve. Okay. Hey, your buddy Steve, he's stuck in a ditch up here in Golden. He was wondering if you can come get him out. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I hear in the background, hey, Kyle. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on here? I drive up there. Merrick, Merrick's his name. Okay. I drive up there and he's in a, like a, the Honda SUV. Yep. Or not the Honda SUV, the Honda truck. Okay. The Ridgeline. Yep. And he didn't realize that we have banks on the side of the road where snow builds up and it's not solid ground. It's four feet of snow. Oh, yeah. And once you get sucked into it, it sucks you in. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he's like 45 degree angle sideways mm-hmm. in his truck and he's just standing there. So I pick him up. We drive down to town. We grab chains, go back up the mountain, hook up the chains to my truck, pull him out put his truck on the side of the road and I just drop him off back in Golden. Signs the contract as he's getting out of the truck. That's crazy. How long did this take? I'm thinking a couple hours. Oh, this was probably a four-hour ordeal (laughs) because I had to find him. All all I got was this random phone call. Hey, he's up near this. Yeah. And I don't know Golden that well. I know Clear Creek and I know some of the reservoirs. That's it. 
because I fish. Yep. Those are the only things I know. And he's like, yeah, he's up here on this and this and this. And he's up there. It's not even like, I, I think what I did to find him was I went on Zillow and looked for properties that were of similar value to what he was looking at. Okay. And determined, okay, it's got to be one of these two. Got it. And found him that way. Yep. Like some like reverse detective crap. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So there's a theme here, right? So talk about five under contracts, two listings. How many of them are leads that ended up turning into Sphere? And it's now a Sphere now. How many of them are referrals or repeats? Like just dissect that for us. What the lead up to this month has looked like for you? Yeah. So the ones where the 18 months, the buy sell right there. We have a couple that I helped buy back in February of last year who came in as a Google organic lead at 10 p.m. Okay. Reached out to them. They were still like awake at 10 p.m. We got a conversation going, set up an appointment for the next day, met up, showed properties, went under contract. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to rent out our old house in Denver, you know, and, and see what we can get from it, Airbnb, this, that, and the other. And I was like, all right, cool. Hey, listen, if anything pops up, you know I'm not the type to annoy you. Reach out to me. I'm here to help. I get a call Christmas Eve Eve outside of your house. <laughs> in the driveway. Oh, yeah. He just got done playing poker with my kids. <laughs> he just got done playing poker with the kids. And he's like, hey, I'm tired of glitter and crap from these Airbnb guests to get this house sold for me. And I was like, all right, here's what I see. Here's what I think what the market's going to dictate. Here's my price range. I think we could go up a little bit based off what we see inside. So we started at, uh, this isn't going to air any time in the next month, right? Probably. We started at a certain number. We bumped it up quite a bit. Almost got Dave Nest off at the higher number. And then we got a higher <laughs> Oh, offer. this property. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so then we got a number even higher that we accepted. Uh, we had three offers over asking right away, first day after the open house. First thing I did was it snowed Friday going into Saturday. So I drove over there with a shovel at like, probably got there around 9 a.m. Yes. Shoveled out the driveway and I'm talking to people as they're going in. I have another advisor hosting the open house. This one lady walks out and she's like starstruck. She's like, oh, this is so like reminiscent of my childhood home. Like this is what I've been looking for, this, that, and the other. And me being in sweatpants, slippers, just looking like a dude shoveling the driveway. <laughs> I'm like, hey, there's a lot of people in that door. You shovel snow in your slippers? Yeah. <laughs> I got those moccasins. Those things are crazy nice. What's wrong with you? Cold ankles is fast feet. That's great. But I'm talking to her and I'm like, yeah, you know, like this is going to go fast. This is going to go really fast. Like there's a bunch of people in. We've been open for a half an hour now and there's been four groups near the fifth one. And she's like, I'm calling my agent when I get in the car. Sure enough, five minutes later, I get a phone call. Hey, my client was just in the house. I think she met you. Were you the dude in the driveway? And I was like, I was the dude in the driveway. Yep. Shoveling the snow and the sweatshirt and sweatpants. She's like, yeah, like she loves it. She's got a couple more to look at today, but I just want to let you know we're going to be submitting an offer tonight. I was like, hey, we got a lot of competition. Make it good, make it clean, make it easy. Yeah. And she sent me over an offer. My jaw hit the floor. This is the one where you told me a couple of days ago, their offer was all the things you would coach a client not to do in an offer. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're talking 26K appraisal gap. We're talking just absurd information. Way over asking. Was it hard earnest money? Hard earnest money after inspection objection. Like, Yep. Everything that I would absolutely be terrified to submit for a client yeah. that I would absolutely refuse to do. That's crazy. So I looked at this and I was like, this is Christmas in February. Yeah. So I sent it to my client. My client called me. He's like, this sounds too good to be true. And I was like, I've vetted everything. I've vetted the agent, the client, and the lender. Mm -hmm. Sign the damn contract. <laughs> he's like, I'm signing it, man. Let's do this thing. They've got their earnest in already. Their inspection is right now. Oh, yes, Thursday, right now. They're doing their inspection. Yep. My appraisal is going to be on Monday. Okay. Everything is set. Okay. So it, it turned out to be the perfect offer for us. Perfect. Keep walking through these. Who else? Let's see. Who else do we got in our contract right now? We've got a Zillow lead that I toured back in March of last year. Oh, geez. Um, so 11 months later, got them under contract? Yeah. 11 months later, got them under contract. What did the follow-up and nurture process look like with that? Occasional, once a month, maybe once every six weeks because I didn't want to overwhelm them. Yep. I knew what they were going through. They had a, they got a, the same day their tire popped in the driveway for the showing, 
my tire popped coming back on 285. <laughs> like I was like, you guys are bad luck. Like I told them this on the phone. I'm like, you're bad luck. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we were just joking and stuff. And then they had car issues, this, that, and the other. And actually, I just keep in touch. You know, hey, I hope everything's going good with your situation. Just want to let you know interest rates drop, blah, 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 blah. And these are just small little stop ins. They're responding each time. We're having good conversation. Built awesome rapport right away with these two. Mm. Next thing you know, they reached out out of the blue. Hey, let's check this out. And I was like, all right, I like that one, but let's set up a second showing. Second showing, boom. They're like, hey, let's do it. Sick. So got them. And then the okay. final one is the one that I just put under contract this morning. Got them as a Zillow lead in December. And I don't take a lot of Zillow leads anymore. Yeah, I, I really don't. I've, I've probably taken six in the past six months mm-hmm. total. Got them in December. Built excellent rapport over the phone. They had an unfortunate situation happening. Had a good conversation with them. Met them, got them into their home that they wanted to be into in January, end of January. And they were like, hey, you did such a great job. And they literally, they shoot me a text. They're like, you're a rock star. We love you. Like, I have these on my phone. I'm like, this is great. Like, this feels awesome. And they're like, can you take care of, of selling our home? Sure enough, this the, is the one that they just bought or the one that they were living in before they bought? The one they were living in before Got they it. bought. Okay. They needed something a little bit bigger and one level. So went ahead, did that. I looked at the house. They Try to nudge the price up a little bit, but we found a really happy medium to be at right now. And I mean, they've got the inspection in, they've got their earnest money turned in. They just did this this morning, so they're rocking and rolling with it as well. Dude, that's so good. Is that all five that are under contract right now? Yeah, and then I've got two listing agreements signed. The one up in Brighton. Love my Brighton people. <laughs> now, one guy was a 200K lead. He's turning into like, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say four million in business. Yeah, that's wild. He's just this. This is transaction number what nine, ten, or eleven? Oh my god, somewhere in that range. I've got so many working with him. I've literally kind of lost count. So gross. (laughs) Yeah, he's and he's the most (laughs) laid back country guy you'll ever meet. Just super good individual. He's funny, really, really funny. Yep. Last time I was there, I carried a water heater up with him. From the basement, the time before that, I carried tables from the church in for him so they could get set up for the estate sale. Like <laughs> he's just one of those guys that just loves the help and just appreciates kind of like a blue collar mentality to yeah. it. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And then one more listing. Yep, that is a couple that I helped buy. And oh god, we went under contract when I was on my honeymoon. Mm. Went under contract on my honeymoon, terminated that contract. Went under contract again at the end of my honeymoon, terminated that one. Circled back in December, looking in a totally different area. They went from like. Parker and Evans to we just closed in Monument. Oh my goodness. End of January. Okay. Beautiful home. Absolutely stunning. And they want me to list their home in Boulder for sale once there's enough snow melted that you can get up there. Sick. All right. So this actually is a perfect lead into the topic we were going to talk about today. So we were having a conversation about the other day or the other day about you're one of the mentors at Thrive. Yes. And you have gotten the opportunity to mentor how many people? One, two, three. Five? Five, okay. Five, I think. Yep, with a couple more in the pipeline. Yep. And you do a phenomenal job with the people you mentor. And I had asked you, hey, have you started to notice that are there certain things that all of the people that you've been mentoring, whether it's technical things or mental things, do you see people struggling with the same things over and over again when they're brand new? And you said, not as much technical stuff. And then rather than me paraphrasing what you said, why don't you rehash it for us? Like, what is it that you see... People that are new to Thrive or new to the industry, what are the things that they typically need to work on the most and you find yourself having the same conversation over and over again? That's just it, having a conversation. They've got all this knowledge. They've got this wealth of information. Thrive does a phenomenal job of training people to know all the real estate knowledge they could possibly want to have. Mm -hmm. What it comes down to is people can't initiate those kind of conversations or display that knowledge because they have trouble breaking through walls to the point where they can build up the trust to have that information trusted as opposed to looking like a sales pitch. Got it. And me, I talk to everybody. It's an issue. 
Like I can talk to anybody. I have no problem with it. You know, I, I walk in highs and buys at the gym, this, that, and the other. It needs to be natural. Or if it's not natural, it needs to be practiced. I wasn't a social person growing up. So that's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah, I, I never really butted out until I got into college. And probably my junior year of college is when I really started becoming more of a social individual. Yeah. You know, it, it took time. It took practice. It took a lot of awkward experiences. Very, very awkward experiences. Trying to have a conversation that people just kind of like give you the side eye. Like, all right, you know, get your creepy ass away from me. <laughs> where like, now it's... <laughs> It's much more natural. It's easier to have these conversations where I used to really struggle with that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same dilemma that people get into in real estate is they might have the ability, but they're not practicing it or they're not applying it to real estate. They're so hung up on just giving information and adding value that they've read on market stats or whoever that podcast was that I just found out about yesterday. Yeah. That they're not getting to the, so what's going on here? Hey, like I'm noticing this, like, Let's dive in. Let's talk. Like, I'm not just here to walk you through a house and point out what's great, what's bad, what the market looks like. Like, I want to know, like, what's going on? What's going on with your family? You know, what do they look for in this? Why do you want this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a sense of security. Oh, it's something you didn't have growing up. Those are conversations and information that lead to not transactions, but relationships. Yep. And relationships lead to transactions. So if somebody is listening right now or whatever, so people are going to be listening to this in the future. If they're like, oh, dude, that totally makes sense. Yep. I'm struggling with that but I don't really know how to get good at it. And what I hear you saying is like, you just need to practice, I get it. But like, how do you actually do it? How do you get good at, I'm going to call it breaking the ice. Is that a good phrase for it? Yeah, breaking the ice is definitely fair. Okay, so it's like breaking the ice, rapport, building a relationship, not just focusing on a transaction or a property, right? So like, what are some of the things that you do, and I see your wheels turning right now, what are some of the things that you do intentionally or unintentionally that give you the right to ask some of the more personal questions that you have to ask, right? Because it's funny, like you were talking about those and I'm like, dude, I'm tracking with you so much, but I also know that if you just come out the gates with some of those questions you just rattled off, People are going to be like, "What? Who are you? Why should I tell you that stuff?" You're not my therapist. Yeah, that feels like an interrogation. <laughs> like, what's my underlying motivation? F you! I just met you, right? So, yeah. how do you earn the right to ask those kind of questions, and how do you get that rapport and common ground with people quick? I mean, it's it's everything. You know, it's it's the way I dress. I talk about it all the time. It's it's laughable. I wear jeans, maybe a, not a t shirt, but like a nicer shirt. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not wearing button downs. I'm not wearing ties. I'm not going there in a suit. Yep. I want people to look at me as a colleague, as a friend, as an ally, as opposed to a salesman. Ah. When I go to a car dealership, I see people in suits or their polos with their little dealership logos on them. Yep. I don't want to deal with that kind of shit. Yep. I want somebody who's going to be in my corner and have my back. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so important to me. I think that's a huge aspect of my business. Okay. Is it going to work for your $5 million luxury clients? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But at the end of the day, that's not the majority of our market. Right. Not even close. Yep. They have real estate agents, they have investors, they have attorneys that they do their deals with. Give me every four and 500K buyer, seller, whatever it is. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. And I will blue collar the shit out of that deal and make them happy. And what's funny is people listening may not know this, but I know this. In fact, I talked about this to somebody that was interviewing with us yesterday or the day before. We were talking about you and I said, yeah, even though Kyle did a lot of transactions in his first year, if you go look at his first six months, most of his transactions were pretty low average price point. Now, I don't know exactly how to explain why that was, but it is what it is. But it's funny because I know that as you're talking about like all these people you connected with 11, 12, 18 months ago, 
Many of them were not, they didn't come in as six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar properties that they were inquiring about through Zillow. You had a bunch of small ones. You had a bunch of two, three, four hundred thousand, which if you're listening to this and you're not in Denver, the average price point in Denver for us last year was six twenty-seven for our brokerage, right? So when you're talking two, three, four hundred thousand, that's really low below the market average here in Denver right now in 2023, 2024. Yeah. You know, a big thing that I look at is everybody has to start somewhere. You're not in this business to do it for three years. That's not the mentality behind a real estate business. Yeah. That's not the way that you become successful in this. You just gave me chills, man. That's a, that's the gospel truth right there. Yeah, they might buy a 250k condo right now, but mm-hmm. in four years, when they have a baby on the way, or they're married, or they need to move, have their in-laws move in, this, that, and the other, that 250 condo turns into a 650 house. Mm-hmm. You know. And then next thing you know, they get job promotions. They get this. They get that. And next thing you know, you're looking in Cherry Hills at three million dollar homes. Boom. Yeah, I love your mindset. Okay, so I want to go back because I derailed you a little bit. But the way you dress helps you get rapport with people. What else? What else are you doing intentionally? I make humor. Okay. I try to do something like not off the wall. You know, I'm not throwing some crazy jokes that I don't know if they're going to land or if I'm going to get punched in the face. I just make little humorous comments here and there. And you can see walls break down. Yeah, I'm writing down, be funny, make money. People have probably heard us talk about that before. Do you know I heard this yesterday? You'll love this. You can steal it. It was actually, again, it was a guy I was interviewing yesterday, and he had been in business for a long time, and he said one of his mentors, he was asking him, like, hey, how are you really successful working with sales teams, working with the people you're working with in your businesses? And the guy goes, do you know that the average child laughs 26 to 27 times a day? The average adult only laughs two to three times a day. And he said, one of the things I've always tried to do within my teams that I get to work with is I try to make it lighthearted. I try to help people laugh. I try to create this environment of humor and fun because psychologically that matters. That has an effect on people. And it's funny because you saying that just made me think of that. And I'm like, I've never heard that. But this guy's background before he got into business management was child psychology, right? And so he took this stuff that he learned from his previous life, applied it to his business life. And that was one of the things that helped him be wildly successful. So ironically, here you are talking about the same thing, like how much people need a little bit of laughter and a little bit of levity in their life and the bond that creates when you get to laugh with someone. And the doors it opens too. You know, that's a big thing that I think people miss is when you get somebody to laugh, that is emotion. All these choices at the end of the day, there can be a home that's valued at seven fifty going for six fifty, and there could be a home that's valued at six fifty going for seven fifty. The person's gonna pick the home they're more emotionally attached to. Dude, that's so good. It's yeah, like I don't know if I would have made that connection, but you're hundred percent right. Yeah, when you ask when you make that little humor and you make those comments, and then you can lead up with giving a little of yourself and giving a little bit deeper information. Like I always talk about my background, why I got into real estate, how it happened to me, what I've been through in the past with it. Yeah, And that goes from, you start with the humor, you let them know who you are, why you're a legitimate person, why you're looking out for their best interest. Yeah, And you've instantly built like unattainable rapport. Yeah, you could part- be on hours of phone calls with them. This 30 minutes that you just had where you were able to break down those walls is invaluable. Dude, that's so good. So I wrote down personal connection and vulnerability. Is that a good word for that? 100%. I don't like talking about you know things that my, <laughs> my parents went through or things that my yeah. family went through. But at the same time, People need to know where the hell I'm coming from. And this isn't going to be, you know, for every person out there. An investor could probably give a shit less most of the time. Right. But for the majority of the people that we're working with, they want to see that you're a real person. 
Yeah, that's my biggest thing. I am a real person. If I can represent that, that's why I transact. Because people know that I am a legitimate individual who's looking out for their best interest. Yes, okay, good. So we got three really good things. You could probably keep going knowing you, but I'm going to pivot here and why don't we wrap up with this. This theme that I kept hearing you talk about as you were talking about, you know, how the last 30 days have gone, how the start of 2024 has gone. I mean, you are you are in a groove right now. It's undeniable. Is I said earlier, be helpful. I also said be unreasonable. There's something about, dude, you're shoveling driveways for people on a weekend morning when a bunch of snow just fell. You're taking four hours out of your day to go get a client out of a ditch who's stuck on the side of a mountain. You, hold on, where did I write this down? Water heaters, church tables. Water, yeah, you're, you're keeping in touch with people for 11 months and their tire popped the same day your tire popped. Like, there's something about you are giving to clients without an expectation of return, but the returns are just hitting you in the face. Like, it's almost unstoppable at this point. So talk a little bit about this mindset that you have around being helpful and doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, not as a business tactic. Well, one, I was raised that way. (laughs) Um, That was a big thing. You know, my mom and dad didn't let me get away with any BS, any misbehavior. They always told me just to treat people right. You know, at the end of the day, even when people mistreat you, treat them right. And that's always been something that has kind of stuck in my mind because no, they're not mistreating you if they don't do business with you. It just means you didn't provide what they needed. So the way that I look at it is every opportunity that I get to do something nice, do something outside of the box, it separates me so much from anybody else. Mm. You know, how, do you realize how many driveways I drove by on my way to go shovel that one that were unshoveled that were still hosting an open house? Interesting. That's laziness. Yeah. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. Everybody's up at that point. Get your coffee, get your hat on, get your slippers on, sweatpants, sweatshirt, grab a damn shovel, go to the driveway. <laughs> it's really, really simple. And it's those little things to make a world of difference. Yeah. Think about it. You walk into a dirty house for a showing. It looks like shit. It translates translates the same way. Yeah. If you go to a house that you're like, wow, okay, like he came here and shoveled the driveway. He threw down salt. Yep. He did this on the other. They were sold out of shovels in Home Depot. I grabbed a broom. <laughs> it is still in their garage. One of those big ass industrial brooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's literally what I was using for half of it. And then the other advisor was like, hey, you know they got a shovel in the garage. I was like, well, shit. You know, whatever. Three hundred square feet to go, but right. at the same time, and it's it's not a small driveway, by the way. This is five car, brand new. Oh, jeez. Wrap around walkway. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just doing those little things makes it so different. And the clients notice that kind of thing. The clients that I'm working with are so hands-off, they're pretty much just like, let me know when to go to the closing table. They don't even ask me when the earnest money's in. They don't ask me how the inspection's going. If I need them to sign something, they're like, hey, do your best, send it over, we'll sign it. And it's so nice to have that kind of rapport built because they know that I'm going to represent them the best I can. Good stuff. Yeah, man, uncommon results require uncommon actions. Yeah. Right? That's you to a T. I think that's why I'm speaking for a lot of people at Thrive. That's why I love working with you. That's why I love being your friend, even if we didn't work together. You're just somebody I love having in my life. And then I know everybody at Thrive is just like, yeah, we just need more guys like Kyle. Yeah, so there's some parts of me that I'd, uh, I'd change up a little <laughs> bit, maybe maybe polish off and whatnot. But That's okay. That's at, okay. At the same time, it makes me who I am and it really shows in my business. You know, yeah. There's going to be things that are a little bit rough around the edge. There's going to be things that I might not know, but I will figure it out and I'll make the best of it that I can. Yeah, that's good stuff. Dude, we got some great content today. I'm loving this. We're going to wrap up here. But before we do, as we go back to that topic of, is there anything else that you see that when you're working with new people, when you're coaching new people, advice you would want to give them or things that you see that you think would help them get off to a faster start or maybe overcome some of the mental hurdles that they're going through when they're brand new? And if not, it's okay. Practice. 
Okay. You know, so many people, I think, just get all this information. You know, you don't go from a meeting and discuss a whole entire playbook and then go play a game. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. Right. It's not how you become successful. You're right. It's, what is it? It's 10,000 hours, I think it is, to yeah. make somebody an expert at something. Yep. How are you going to go from 10 hours of classroom time to a real estate expert? And that's an interesting point, too. Like both of us being athletes, you being the better of the two of us here. I threw a ball between my legs. <laughs> People feel pressure, and you see the pressure show up in sports, right? People feel pressure when they're in a moment that they feel unprepared for. The pressure starts to melt away when the level of preparation meets the size of the moment that you're in, right? And that's exactly what you're talking about is when game day comes and the bright lights are on you, and the bright lights in this career might be the first person that walks into the open house that you're hosting on Saturday, or it might be the very first showing that you're doing with a Zillow lead that you just met, you know, and you just started your career. Like those are the bright lights. The more practice you've put in, the less pressure there is. You're still gonna feel the butterflies, right? But the practice and the preparation is the thing that gets the butterflies to fly in formation. Right. So it's not overwhelming. And people see that too. Yeah. If you look back at some of the great athletes, you look at, I don't know, Muhammad Ali, you look at Tom Brady, you look at all these people, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. They are so calm, cool, and collected. Mm -hmm. You would never know how good they really are. When you are so relaxed in that kind of environment, when you're relaxed at a showing, when you're relaxed at an open house, that energy translates to the client that's walking in the door. You don't want everybody jumping all in their nerves. You want a relaxed, friendly environment with good humor, good drinks, and good conversations. Yep, That's it at the end of the day. Well, and just to give people that are listening to this some hope, do you remember when you were brand new? You'd done an open house over the weekend, and oh, I was like, ask how'd it go? And you <laughs> that was your, dude, you were like visibly upset because somebody came in and asked you a question that you didn't know, and they like got in your grill that you didn't know. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It was Tim Abrilly's open house over on Cherry Creek, South Cherry Creek Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a third story um, condo unit and had a storage unit in the basement. It's my first ever open house. I didn't even have open house training yet. You're like a week in, maybe? Maybe a week. And the first guy that walks in, so one, my other person that was working with me wasn't there yet. So this guy's <laughs> waiting at the door for 10 minutes. He's already pissed when I get down there. Tim calls, like, hey, let this guy in the door. And I was like, all right, cool. Right now, hey, so uh, how can I help you? You know, just doing the whole thing. He's like, hey, what's the uh, square footage of the storage locker in the basement? Huh. <laughs> what storage locker in the basement? And I'm literally, I'm sitting there, I'm just bullshitting. I'm like, oh, you know, it's this by this. And I'm putting my hands in all these different dimensions. Yeah. And this dude was just not having it. Like, he's like, oh, I've done this, this, and this, and this, and real estate, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I know this, this, and this. And I was like, great. <laughs> you know, real great. And then he goes and he leaves, just didn't want anything to do with me. Could just visibly tell he was just pissed that I even existed. Yeah. And, well, and the reason I bring that up is not to throw you under the bus or make you look bad. It's just, I think people that are listening got to understand, like when you say that, it's not coming from this place of like, you're perfect and you have it totally dialed in. Like a lot of this is coming from your personal experience of going through some failures, taking some L's, learning from those Right. And then just passing that knowledge along to somebody else. You're not perfect. You're just sharing stuff that helps you get to the point where you're at right now. Yeah. No, I was, I'm far from perfect still. There are still so many times where I just catch myself doing something dumb and I usually correct it now, <laughs> usually on top of it. But sometimes I'm like, that could have been pretty hairy right there. Like I was, yeah. I was reviewing a contract, I think it was like last month. 
all through. I'm like, oh yeah, everything looks good. And I looked at it a little bit later before my clients assigned. I was like, oh shit, I need an inspection objection deadline in there. <laughs> like like little things like that where I need to like really review and like keep track because my brain does go a million miles an hour in a million different directions. Yeah, I need to know to reel myself in. Yep. But especially when you're new, there's so many things that are hitting you that you've never heard, you've never experienced. You know, you've never had an agent ask these questions. Yep. And it, it just takes repetition. It takes time. It takes confidence. It takes practice. Yeah. All right, I'm going to make you put this on audio. This is on blast for everybody to hear. What's your goal for the year? 33. All right. 33 transactions. I'm at, if I count the ones of the listing agreements I've signed, I'm at nine. So I'm pacing at 100 and I think it's 63% of my goal. Sweet. Based off the month. Where do you track that? Do you track it in CSU or somewhere else? I have spreadsheets. Yeah. I have a lot of spreadsheets. Oh yeah, you do. That's good. <laughs> Dude, congrats. Congrats on a great start to the year. Appreciate you jumping on here and sharing this stuff. I mean, this is phenomenal. We need to do this more often. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's wrap up for today. And until next time, hope you guys pulled some gold nuggets out of this. Thank you for your time. Of course, not a problem. All right. 